0: You're about to listen to a show we recorded during 2022 which we have affectionately named Darren's Dash Found Footage This episode was recorded on the hottest day of last summer I know, distant memories now There were, as you'll discover, all sorts of heat-related technical problems Once we finished the recording, I put the tapes on ice to stop any further deterioration. And that's where they stayed, lost in my freezer, until I stumbled across them while looking for some frozen peas. The good news is, because so much time has elapsed, all the films we reviewed are available on various streaming platforms. So you don't even have to leave the house to binge watch them. Oh, and if you're interested, I found the peas as well. As you listen to this show, think back to those lazy, hazy days of summer. And now, over to Jeff, who, unfortunately, survived the freezing process. Welcome to
1: the latest edition of At The Flicks, your one-stop shop for movie news, interviews and
2: reviews. Welcome to Darren's Dash, the off-the-beaten-track review show, where I check out and report back on the films you may have missed.
3: Today's Dash includes men, wolf walkers and everything, everywhere, all at once.
4: Before handing over to Darren, let's give a warm welcome to the new person in the Dash team. Hello, Emma.
5: Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on.
4: And now over to Darren.
2: Okay, so as usual, we've got four films that I've watched over the previous few months. The first one I'm going to start with is Men. You're tormented. It feels more like. haunted. Yeah. Something happened. Husband went upstairs to our balcony and let himself go.
3: You must wonder
1: why you drove him to it.
2: Why? I didn't drive him to it.
1: I thought to be true that if you had given him the chance
4: to apologize, he'd still be alive.
1: What?
2: Directed by Alex Garland. And stars the always wonderful Jessie Buckley. Now in this film, she plays Harper, a young woman who has recently lost her husband in circumstances that is revealed in flashbacks throughout the film. She's taken a holiday to a remote cottage in a small village to get away from everything. There she meets a friendly but patronising and overbearing landlord played by Rory Kinnear. And from this point, every man she meets has Rory Kinnear's face. There is a priest, a young boy, a police officer, a barman and some fuggish youths all resemble him which is something that she doesn't seem to notice most worryingly is a naked man who stalks her while she's out during a walk and follows her back to her home as the holiday goes on harper becomes even more cut off and threatened by the behavior of the men of the village and it all builds into a nightmare confrontation one night this is a film that i've been um, wanting to see for a long time it had a great trailer Very sort of weird. The thing about this, just as it's obviously a very much a horror movie. For me, watching it, it was a really well done, well paced movie that built up the tension absolutely beautifully. It was really creepy throughout. The, The threat sort of built up, you know, those little sort of situations where. Jessie Buckley would be at, at home and she'd be, uh, you know, trying to contact people on her phone and the phone would cut out and it would just be like a weird face that you could just see for a moment. Like I say, there was all the sort of all the different people she'd meet, all with sort of Rory Kinnear's face. And there was this absolutely haunting score that was just really put you ill at ease the entire time. And of course, there was the actual, the, um, the mystery. Of what had actually happened between her and her husband, of, of why he'd committed suicide, if he committed suicide, you know, how that had all played out. And when it got into these, the big confrontation, the big night where everything went really weird, it got absolutely crazy. The last um, 20 minutes of this film is absolutely one of the most gross out. Weird, surreal moments that I would have seen in films for—I would say—for quite a while. The only thing is that just before Christmas, I saw Titan, and that was even madder. But this one, in, in the cinema that I was in, you could really feel that in the audience. People sort of going, "What? What am I watching? You know, what's 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 going on?" But well, it was a really uncomfortable moment. But it was absolutely, you know, a, a amazing. The thing about this film is it's. Very much obviously, a film which is a commentary on, on toxic masculinity. And the thing about it is that there are lots of metaphors in, in this film, but all of them are really obvious. The first thing that you see Jessie Butley do when she arrives at the holiday is to take an apple from a tree. And it's so obvious that it's the Eve metaphor, it, you know, it's so on, on your nose. And everything that, um, that she goes through throughout the entire film sort like a, a hit list of toxic behavior she 's patronized where a police officer uh, who comes to respond to the, the stalker in a garden you know doesn 't really take her seriously you 've got the priest who tries to make out that what happened to her husband was, was her fault you've got the uh, the little kid that, um, rather weirdly i, I noticed he's uh, had a, had a mask on which. Looked to me like a sort of like an old fashioned sex doll mask. I don't know if you could clarify that, Jeff. You <laughs> <laughs> <Get>. uh, Right. <laughs> nice one, Darren. It's so obvious and, and on your nose, even at the end of the film when it gets like really, really crazy, you don't really have to just spend more than like two seconds without thinking what that's referring to. And there is a lot of imagery to do with the, the Green Man, but even if you just know the slightest thing about the Green Man, you get it. you don't really have to work to to, to understand what it's trying to say. And I, and I think some people sort of criticize that saying it's quite on, on your nose. I, I think that's the point of the movie, but the point is that it's trying to hit your hub.
1: Okay. So I'm interested, Darren, you said that when you saw Titane last year, you had to have a coffee before driving home. Did this uh, have the same effect on you?
2: No. Another coffee? <laughs> no, no, no. This okay. uh, this didn't have the same effect. I can't, I can't really describe why. I, I think it's maybe um, in this one, you, you sort of knew why things were happening. In Titane, it was, I mean, Titane was really, really over the top. I think I think another thing as well in Titan there was more build to the actual gore and and the horror, uh, whereas this one so the stuff I'm talking about at the at the end, which gets really really crazy, almost comes out of nowhere. Whereas the stuff in Titan, it was like a long long build on this particular thing that was happening. It, it, I, don't, I don't want to say too much on either because I, I think both films are. The work, okay. if you miss, was sort of shot by those things. But I, it didn't have the same, let me move, uneasy effect as Titan did.
1: OK, that, that's fair enough. Emma, have you seen the film Men?
5: I have indeed. I could probably talk for hours about what you can take away from this film. I wasn't as much of a fan as Darren is, I'm afraid. I did give it two stars out of five. I think mainly because I've Alex Garland did uh, an interview where he said the viewer can take away from it whatever they they want to like whatever they see that's what it is which I feel is a little bit of a cop out um I certainly have a lot of thoughts about it they mainly don't agree with everyone I I've, I've been listening to but as he said that's uh, that's the idea but actually, like one of the interesting things is I haven't heard a lot of women talking about this film. Every podcast I have like come across, every review um, that's just come across my timeline has been from men specifically. So it's it's very interesting to see the different takes on that.
1: I mean, you can rest assured that neither Neil or Graham would have seen this, and I don't. <laughs> Guilty. Comments that both Darren and you have said they would ever watch this. No, indeed. Nope. Uh, thought not. Nope. Uh, I haven't seen it, but it's a twenty-four, isn't it? Really, and uh, I've got an allergic reaction to them. Although I would say on a twenty-four, I have moderate in my opinion. I've seen. You X.
3: Have?
1: X was excellent. That is the best thing they've done. Phil, you've seen it.
3: Yeah, uh, I really liked it. Actually, I've got a couple of odd sort of stories about it. So, so one you would hate it, Jeff. It's a twenty-four, and that that bit that Darren talks about. There's a bit about twenty minutes before the end. It's the make or break bit. You're either gonna piss yourself laughing, or you're gonna think that's quite gross and gory and cool. My experience of the film was really surreal because I went to the cinema. I think it was the first or second week it was out. It was in the smallest screen in my local cinema. There's eight rows of about eight seats. So literally about five minutes before the film started, I booked directly in the middle to try and avoid. So there were some groups of people at the back. And I sat directly in the middle and nobody else was uh, sat in that row when I booked that seat. And I went in and literally as the film credits, you know, the BBFC certificate came up, three women about my age walked in. And where did they sit? right next to me. And I felt really uncomfortable watching the entire film with its subject matter with three women of my age, right next to me,
0: judging you. Yeah.
3: Judging me, but also the bits with the stalker and stuff, as he kind of appeared in the garden, in the garden that they were laughing and I was feeling really uncomfortable. (laughs) And then the make or break moment, the 20 minutes before the end, make or break moment, they were in hysterics. Absolute hysterics! Like, and I just was like, okay, I don't don't know what to do now. I just kind of like stayed away. And then when the credits rolled, thought I'll just sit here for a while and see if they move. And they didn't move. They just started talking, and I was like, okay, I will shuffle past them gingerly and sort of move past. So, in terms of what Emma said, I'm really interested. In terms of like, I, I am interested in that female perspective because everyone who does talk about this film is men, and whether I like it or not is perhaps by the by because it's written and directed by a man about men being toxic. So, but I really liked it for the record.
1: Going back to you, Emma, can you relate
5: to why these women were laughing? Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't in hysterics, <laughs> but you know, the interesting thing that I've found is that everyone's talking about, oh, it's about grief and it's about her guilt. Now, I can see how that is there, to me, it's more about relief and freedom. So obviously, like her husband, from what we see, I assume sort of psychological abuse that's that's going on uh, in their relationship, that's what I took away from that. And then, obviously, he dies, however that happened, for whatever reason, whether it was himself or an accident. And honestly, like from that point, it does feel like she's like I've got to take my life back now. I think my router's overheating. It's got a red light on the front. <laughs> Hang on one second. Okay, Are you boosting the Wi-Fi? Uh, no, I'm sacrificing the fan to the router. Um, so <laughs> yeah. see, you'll see me. Oh, right. You'll see me sweating any minute now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Right. right. Um, join okay, the re- well.
4: join the rest of us.
5: Obviously, it does feel like she's trying to regain her life and particularly the the scene you see in the trailer, which is her standing at the end of the tunnel. And obviously, we talk about the light at the end of the tunnel being sort of hope in some cases. And she can see that hope, but then that is all interrupted by her trauma, which is the naked man who stalks her coming towards her and chasing her away. So it really feels like it's, It's about the beginning of her journey to to overcome everything, to me. Well, I might
1: give this a watch, even though I, as I said, I'm allergic to A24 generally. But, uh, yeah, I won't give that a go.
3: I honestly predict, Jeff, you'll think it's really interesting right up until that moment. You will. You think it's really interesting, and then that will happen, and you'll be like, this is the worst film ever. (laughs) (laughs) A24 (laughs) rubbish.
1: (laughs) Yeah, not even Jesse Buckley's going to save it. I can see it happening. Darren, back to you for a review of Dog. I've been busting my ass to get my mind and my body back into a good place. I need to get back in the game, sir. You want to get back in the game? Prove it. Sergeant Rodriguez was a legend. Family funeral Sunday outside of Nogales. They want his dog at the funeral.
3: You do this,
1: and you're back in the game. She won't work with anyone. One minute she's good, the next minute she's sending three guys to the
3: ER. What's up, dog? And you're going to go on a little road trip. Easy. What are you all so scared of? Smell it out, big time. Is your deal,
2: man? Maybe just take the crazy down one notch. Hey! No, 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 no! No! You're just a demon! You're just a demon! Dog is a film that um, it was at the cinema quite a few months ago. It is on um, various streaming platforms to rent at the moment. Probably won't be long before it's actually on, on, on a streaming site altogether. It stars Channing Tatum, who is uh, an army ranger. He's struggling with uh, PSTD. Um, is unable to get back into active service. And um, one day he finds out that one of his uh, comrades who he served with uh, overseas has died in an accident. And he's tasked by one of his uh, bosses with uh, travelling uh, across country to bring his friend's military dog, Lulo, to attend the funeral. And uh, the only problem is that Lulo herself has become very aggressive and uncontrollable after serving in various war zones, and uh, after the funeral, uh, she's to be taken, to be put down. Naturally, the road trip is full of adventures with various mishaps and some really co- colourful characters met along the way. I want to explain why I actually picked this uh, this film, because... Yeah, um, it is, yes, please. yeah, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's been a couple, it's been of couple <laughs> months. It's a fairly sort of, you know, white-hearted comedy, and there's been a lot more interesting films, a lot better films out there. And the thing I really that I really picked about this film is, it was one of the uh, the few films that I've that I've seen lately, which I found a really warm hearted, funny, easy film to watch. And the thing about this film is, there is absolutely nothing in this film which is uh, original at all. It's like somebody took a, a bullet point um, "how to make a film" from uh, Hallmark movies, putting a, a Hollywood star in it, and and just said that right, you know just just that right, no surprises. It was all the cliches. It was a guy who's uh, having trouble, teams up with somebody else who's in, in uh, having uh, trouble. Neither of them get on, but along the way they learn to coexist, and they bring something out in each other. You know how this is going to end. You know, there's absolutely no surprises, and I was absolutely fine with this because for, it's, it absolutely worked for for me at least. It was absolutely warm hearted. I really got into these uh, in, into the uh, relationship with these two characters. There is something. I'm I'm not particularly a, a massive dog person, you know. Some of them quite scare me. I, I you know I'm, I'm not the most comfortable thing about them, but there is something about sort of like you know a a, a dog in peril trying to bring it out of its shell, how how to heal it as such, and I just found this film just absolutely you know warm-hearted and and, and wonderful, and, and it was funny in places. I mean, but the scene—the scene where Chan Tatum, where, where he tries to get a, uh, a top um, hotel room by pretending to be uh, pretending to be blind, and that, that Lulu is um, his guide dog, and obviously it all goes wrong—and and I actually thought it was really funny. And there's a moment in there that I probably shouldn't have laughed at. If I said right, it would probably be considered like non-PC, and maybe you weren't supposed to laugh it. But, but there was a moment that I actually did find really funny. I'd like more people to, to see this and just you know, just something a nice movie. I, I really enjoyed it. Good. Okay. So it's Jeff, the nice and non
0: cynical person on the team. Yeah.
1: I'm I'm not an animal person, as you know, unless it's on my plate. Uh, and the fact the fact <laughs> that Thank both Jeff. of my children have now bought dogs is Good. just fantastic.
3: But <laughs> right, we'll please. we'll come back to
1: that shortly. Phil,
3: you must have seen this one. I watched this at the cinema. Of course I went and saw it at the cinema, even though I don't like dogs. I'm really not a dog person in the slightest. I remember putting in my review, if you're a dog person or you like Channing Tatum topless, absolutely, top film, go and watch it. You don't need to hear any reviews. Just drop everything, go and watch it right now. But yeah, I agree with Darren. I thought it was really heartwarming. There's nothing that's not predictable. It's kind of like midnight run with a man and his dog who've both got PTSD. And that scene that uh, Darren mentioned reminded me of like a a Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder, 80s comedy where he's sort of pretending to be a blind man. It is that sort of film that it kind of manages to dodge all kind of real cynicism, eh, Jeff? (laughs) Well, (laughs) Um, yeah, you know. Good grief.
1: Surely not. Neil, I know you haven't seen it. Graham, have you seen it? Just
0: too much good stuff to watch.
5: Ever? Um, Sorry, you have to bear with me. I am getting about three quarters of what you guys are saying, which is, yeah, I have seen Dog, you know me. There's now a red flashing light on my router, which is really delightful. <laughs> 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 oh dear. It's probably I'd
3: overheated. S-
5: oh dear. Um, yeah, I have to agree with you guys. It is, it's just a very nice, pleasant film. It seems to, portray all the PTSD and uh, issues like that really well you throw a a dog in traumatizing circumstances and I'm always going to cry so you know gets my vote. What
1: about your mate Hannah she must have loved it.
5: (laughs) Um, I'm going to say she thought it was fairly average Um, I did message her just before we started recording and I said oh we're talking about these films she's like oh I've seen two of them and I went no, no, we went to three of them together and, uh, yeah, she'd forgotten she'd seen this film. Like, <laughs> it's, just, it's fine. Excellent. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you,
1: you've all been really nice about it. And yes, it does. <laughs> Here we match, go. Yeah, it does match it. I mean, the thing for me is the story I would have liked to have seen is Ethan Supley's story. You know, this guy that had come back, had been on the journey, was coming out the other side. That's the story I would have liked to have seen, because he saw a lot more action. He You know, he's in a lot more danger, I think, than the Channing Tatum character. But it did remind me, watching it, we'll go back to the 70s, it was like many of those returning Vietnam vet tales that you would see on TV, usually made for TV films, and how they would bond with an animal or a group of hippies it was okay but i think they missed an opportunity for me but it's not it's
4: meant to be that light isn't it it's like if you got you got somebody with charisma like channing tatum or tom hanks or jim belushi um and put a dog with them and
3: make a film yeah it's, it's not born on the 4th of July, let's put it that way.
4: Yeah, I'll probably watch it now on the basis that, like, K9 or whatever the uh, Tom Hanks one was called.
1: I can't remember that one.
4: Turn around. Um, ah,
1: yes. Uh,
4: I might actually
1: watch this one. All right. Final word on this goes back to Emma and your newsletter, Emma, picked up when it is actually coming on streaming for free.
5: Yeah, it's not not far away. If you go to my Twitter, which is Emma at the Movies, uh, is my handle, and you can subscribe right from my profile on there.
1: Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes. And uh, according to Emma, it's coming on Prime on the twenty first of August. Darren, back to you for the next one, Wolfwalkers. Wolfwalker. You're a wolf when you sleep. <gasps> a girl when you're awake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my mom.
4: Something's happened to me. Yeah, I can see that. It's flipping great.
2: You're a wolf now. Be a wolf! The woods are getting smaller every day. These wolves, they're just beasts. Tonight, we put an end to this. I promise your mother, I'll keep you safe. <laughs> Okay, so Wolf Walkers is a film that you can currently find on um, Apple TV, which I've been um, using while I've been uh, watching the uh, excellent TV series For All Mankind, which I uh, spoke about in my last dash. So, Wolf Walkers was a little film that I, I decided to put on and make use of the subscription, and I am so absolutely delighted that I did. This is an Irish folktale style, style story directed by Tom Moore and Ross Stewart. It's an animated film, and it's about a young girl in uh, 1650. Uh, Her father is a wolf hunter, and he's been hired by a vicious um, lord to drive the wolves out of a forest um, close by to his uh, kingdom because he wants to basically expand his uh, territory. The young girl, Robin, who wants to follow in her father's footsteps and prove herself, sneaks off into woods uh, one night, um, trying to make a scene by hunting some wolves, And due to a series of events, she ends up befriending a young girl called Meeby, who she forms a bond with, and it turns out that she's actually a a wolf walker, which is a magical uh, being where she's someone who, when she goes to sleep, her spirit um, goes into the uh, body of a wolf. And due to a mishap, Robin accidentally gets gets bitten by Meeby, and she becomes a wolf walker herself, which naturally... Puts her at odds with her um, father and puts her right into the conflict between uh, her father, the Lord, and the uh, wolves who are being um, driven out of the forest. I just got to say that this film is absolutely beautiful. The animation is amazing. It's it's a real throwback. Of the the animation style has this very folksy style to it. Aaron, sorry
1: sorry to hold. Yeah, Emma, you, you just put your hand up for something to say there.
5: Don't worry, I am still here. Now my laptop is overheating. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome to global warming.
5: Ugh. Um,
0: are you going to be all right to continue, Emma?
5: Let's just go with it. Let's see what happens.
1: <laughs> okay, that's fine. Right, Dan, hey, I'm sorry to stop you mid-flow there.
2: Back to you, mate. Emma's on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the animation is absolutely beautiful. It's got this very quaint old fashioned folk type theme to it that you sort of I seem to remember you got in films and TV shows when I was a really little kid. It's very, really simply drawn but absolutely full of life. I mean, you, 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 this is one of those films that if you were watching this film as a foreign language and you had no subtitles, you just watch it. And just because the the film is so absolutely mesmerising to watch, I mean, the, the wolves in it are just sort of so full of life, so vibrant, so lovely, and the images that you get. that there's certain scenes where you have somebody somebody walking, and there's a, a background which is almost like a um, almost like a portrait, which is absolutely sort of so full of depth. It's like a comic strip. You just waiting for for the next scene. And there's some really subtle differences. So, for example, the, you know, the, because you've got the themes of the the city versus the environment. So, the, you know, the the forests are full of sort of like, you know these soft shapes, and whereas the buildings are quite sort of harsh and straight and, and rigid. There's some re- really subtle stuff in there. But more than that, what what really spends it over is the characters are absolutely full of warmth. And you really get into to the characters and, and their bonds. I mean, the relationship you have with Robin and her father, who she absolutely dotes on, and then maybe who becomes this—it's this like sister to her. And the fact that she, you know, she comes to a family that hunts wolves and maybe's a wolf herself, and the fact that they sort of get together—you've got these like wonderful themes of, of acceptance. And, and people coming. Uh, it sounds corny, but basically, sort of, you know, people coming together and like accepting other people's cultures. Um, you've got stories of of rebellion and her having to basically stand up to her authority and, and meet her own own path in life. You even got the totalitarian thing, you know, because the, the, the Lord is obviously very much like an oppressive figure, you know, you could, you could see this as being like an analogy of the English, you know, when they went into Ireland. It's kind of like what what Pixar used to be, or Disney used to be, you know, you've got these like you know, wonderful sort of themes going on. But there's, there's one scene that I absolutely found amazing, and there's this song sequence, this, this isn't a musical, but there's like one, you know, song in the film, where Robin and and maybe are basically are, are wolves and we're running through the, the the forest together and and Robin's basically learning to love basically you know being being one with nature and thing and so this is song and the song has this line about you you know you're, you're running with the wolves tonight and as as this song was going I, I had goosebumps because it's just an amazing beautiful song and and just this film was an absolute de- delight I, I I would urge anyone who's got I mean, it's a film that adults, I think, will will find a lot of joy. In. But anyone who's got kids, you know, show them this film because I think I think it's absolutely heartwarming. And and I know that nowadays, you know, so much animation is all like the three D stuff and you know, you your Disney stuff, like you know, Encanto and films like that. We we absolutely wonderful Turning Red, but you know, these are great movies. But there was something so refreshing and simplistic about this film and sort of like, you know, this, this sort of subtly drawn animation that was just so, so full of, of life, absolutely beautiful. And, and I, I really, you know, if you've got kids, show them this movie because I, I thought it was absolutely wonderful.
1: Excellent. Well, let's go over to animation expert Neil for his view.
4: Again, I mean, the, the animation is fabulous, isn't it? Plenty of metaphor and allegory. Um, the Lord is um, Cromwell, the protector, um, who went into Ireland in 19, uh, 1649 to 1650. 19, what? Sorry, was that? 16, 19, 40, what was that? 1649 oh, okay. to 1650. Okay. As I corrected myself. Yeah I mean historically uh, it, you just need to read up a little bit about it it's, it's um he's he was a complete bastard and there's even a bit where he he stands by the window with all the crowds outside um rioting um and complaining um and he closes his eyes and prays and says what do I do lord and then gives himself the answer um yeah i need to tame these heathens in this land and and bring it under rule uh, it's, really is that how you were uh, I mean, it was a divisive figure, uh, Cromwell, and probably Graham will probably be a bit more, um, um <laughs> a bit more aggressive well, you, on that point I would have thought. But it think is Graham um, knew him. I
1: don't even think
4: Graham's that. <laughs> I mean, we've had plenty of um, uh, films of these type: Brave, Princess Mononoke, Avatar, even Avatar. I mean, How to Train Your Dragon, Pocahontas. As I say, the music was well put into the film. The worked well with the film, as Darren has already said. Uh, I thought it was aimed at a younger audience until Cromwell, you, you see more of Cromwell and you start thinking, well, hang on a minute. Uh, this is a bit more, there's a bit more depth here. It's not quite Princess Mononoke, I don't think, but it's still really very good. I thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Okay, Film.
3: I thought it was stunning. Um, I loved it. Uh, I watched it with my young kids as well, and they really loved it. Uh, the song Darren mentions is um, actually called Running With The Wolves by a group called Aurora, and that scene he mentioned is you know, just a, an absolute standout. You could pretty much take a freeze frame of any point during the film and hang it on your war's art. Yeah, it's just a brilliant, brilliant film and almost worth you know an Apple month subscription just to go and watch it.
1: Emma, if you're still there, not burnt the house down
3: <laughs> have
1: you seen that
5: uh, so I absolutely loved Wolfwalkers I got to see it at the London Film Festival and I just I adored everything about it really the music even though I'd like, I don't like the traditional sort of illustrations I absolutely adored this I just love how it brought all the wildness of the characters to life yeah I recommend everyone but anyone who asked me I make them watch this film.
1: Okay, thanks, Emma. Graham,
5: did well, it bring
1: the Irishness in
0: you? <laughs> I'm just going to repeat what everybody else says. Um, I just thought it was absolutely wonderful. It took me back to Noggin the Nog and Mister Ben, that sort and that, of animation. That's amazing. a good thing, is it? Yeah, uh, but they turned it up to eleven, and they got this. As as uh, Phil said, you could take any frame from this film and it would be a piece of art. And the, the interplay between all the characters, Sean Bean as the uh, the wolf killer or the wolf hunter, the two girls were just phenomenal and really believable. It's great story, great animation. Yes, just show it to your kids and enjoy it yourself. It was exceptional. I really enjoyed it. I saw it about six months ago, I think Phil, you recommended it, and and I went and saw it, and it just blew me away. Absolutely blew me okay. away. Okay,
1: well, amazingly, I'm the miserable one tonight. Then, really,
4: uh, there's a surprise.
1: Uh, I didn't like the style of animation. I didn't like that callback. It seemed cheap to me. I, I agree with everybody you say about the backgrounds; they were fantastic. But the the main part of the story, up until the governor, the Lord Protector appears. Obviously, the references to Cromwell. I really struggled with it. After that, I thought it was good. Uh, The other character he called back, the Governor Ratcliffe character, voiced by David Ogden Steers in the film Pocahontas. The second half, (laughs) I'd like more than the first half.
0: It's a film of two halves, okay. A film of two halves.
1: And I won't, I did have a comment to make that I knew was going to get cut out and I'm not even going to bother to say it. (laughs) Good. Uh, Right, okay. Back for number four, to Darren. Everything, everywhere, all at once.
5: Now, you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good.
4: What's happening? Evelyn, I'm not
1: your husband.
5: I'm another version
1: of
2: one from another universe.
0: I'm here because we need your help.
2: Very busy today. uh, No time to help you. I'm going to describe this story as best I can because it's quite a complex one. Good luck, but I'll give it a go. Michelle Yoy is, along with her husband, the co-owner of a struggling laundrette. She's having problems with her husband. Problems with her father and problems with a daughter who's recently come out of as gay, which is something that she's having a bit of trouble uh, dealing with. And she, to top it all off, she is feeling really unfulfilled in life. During an audit with the IRS, which is going very badly, she's contacted through her husband's body by another uh, version of her husband from another alternative reality. And she's told that there is actually a multiverse made up of multiple realities where every time someone makes a choice, a new universe is created. And she's re-recruited because an alternative version of her daughter is threatening to destroy this multiverse. And only uh, Michelle Yoy can stop her. And so she learns the ability to experience in a split second the lives of her counterparts in other universes to see the lives that she could have had and learn those skills to, uh, to use herself. So, for example, in another universe, she was a, a martial arts expert. So she gains, by tapping into that person's life, she gains for a brief time those martial arts abilities. In another universe, she's a, a top chef. In another universe, she's a, a top singer. So by sort of tapping into those, she's able to gain the sort of the things, the skills that they have. And she uses those to try and bring down her daughter. But you understand that, trust me, the film is even more, more complicated and complex than that. However, I actually sort of found it quite accessible. Now, if you were listening to this, um, to to our show at the start of this year, where we gave our um, top five most anticipated movies, This was one of the ones that I chose. And I'm not sure that many people were aware of it um, way back then. Um, But I saw a trailer for it and I was absolutely intrigued by it. I'm I'm a fan of Michelle Yoy. The fact that she was going back and doing some martial arts in in the trailer, like, you know, totally sort of had me, you know, on board. And so I've been really waiting for for this movie to come out and i've got to say i was not disappointed in the slightest i thought this film was absolutely wonderful it exceeded everything i wanted about it out there if there is such a thing as a multiverse there's a multiverse per- version of me that sat in front of a um, computer doing a podcast where they when that person manages to actually give this wonderful review of everything that that film Meant to me, and I wish I was in my ultimate reality because there's no way I can sum up how much I love this film. There was—it's just way too big for me to do that. I will give it a go, though. Um, For a start, the action was incredible. I thought it was absolutely, you know, full of anarchy. There was, um, you know, some of the martial arts was absolutely crazy and entertaining, and some of the wildest scenes I have seen in a long time. It was so colorful in places. I mean, the the, uh, the the various version of the of her daughter. You know, one minute that she was sort of like a, a she she was like a Mexican pro wrestler. Uh, another person she, she was she shows like this golf that you know, this, like martial arts golf. All these different things. It was just so crazy and, and wild to watch. And there were just scenes that was sort of really weird and bizarre. But the thing I loved about it, everything had a reason for it there's a scene where they're sort of in front of what look like a a grand canyon type scene and the and the the mother and the daughter basically turning to rocks and they're just you know they're just acting as rocks there's another scene which is a a reality where human evolution came about um where all humans have hot dogs for fingers and these sound, they sound like they've sort of like really flippant, silly things to do, but the film makes use of those scenarios and, and makes them actually mean something. I mean, for example, there's the, the actual in the universe where she's a um, where everyone has hot dogs for hands. It turns out that she's in a relationship with the, the IRS uh, auditor, which is played by uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. So you've got Jamie Lee Curtis who comes across at start as if she's just this like um, this comedic. Um, stern irs character but they managed to sort of make that character mean something by showing that in a different reality they were lovers there's just so much going on in this film and the best I i can i can sum it up with is is this was a film about life it was about all those times when you sort of When you think of what your life could have been if you made various different choices. So, you know, so in this film, you see the choices that led her in other realities to become a massive success of herself. But the kicker is that in some of those other realities, her and her husband longed for an existence which was more simpler, which is the one that she's living in in our reality. It's just little things like that. And things like, for example, you know, the the whole scene in the. uh with the rock sequence is kind of like a the metaphor for having to get away from it all and take a holiday and just take a break from things and sort of relax and take in scenery everything in there had some sort of meaning to it and you know, as the film goes on, you get the thing about her learning empathy, her learning to you know find the good in life. There's so many different things, and I can't wait to watch this film again and get it on Blu-ray because I I want to to listen to as many commentaries on this film as I can, and and, and I I will admit there is times when you you do get overloaded with with so much information. I mean there's there's a lot of stuff that I'm sure that I've missed or have forgotten because there's so much happening. I mean but, but I, there was a whole scene to do with a bagel but the whole uh, you know universe ending situation was down to a giant bagel and I'm sure if I watch it again, I'll be able to sort of make more sense of that. But looking back, I can't even remember what what the sense of that was. But that's where, this is a film that I think I can watch time and time again, and I'll get, so I'll sort of understand and notice more as I go along. And and I can't wait for that. And I, I thought this film was absolutely wonderful. I, I just thought it was absolutely, it was wild, crazy, but there was so much going on. I just absolutely loved it. And it's, It it, will. I'm even though we're just over halfway. I'm sure that when I come to write my favorite films of the year, this is going to be right at the top. It's it's probably not going to be number one because I think uh, Top Gun Maverick is is probably my favorite over this one. But if another film beats this one into the second uh, spot, it must be something. It'll be something that's really special because I absolutely loved this movie.
1: Well, I would say of the films that we've reviewed tonight, it is my, it is the best one that I saw, but I'll come to that in a moment. Um, Emma, what are your thoughts on this one?
5: Uh, so this is a, another great pick from, uh, from Darren. I adore this film as well. It's just mental. I mean, it's just madness all the way through. I love it. And I think it gave me a weirdly positive outlook when I left because just thinking about the fact that even if you're no good at something in, in this universe, think you can't do anything, actually that might mean you're perfect to uh, save the world one day, which I quite like the thought of. Apart from that, I think the, the way it deals with the mother-daughter relationship, the daughter is completely broken in this universe as she was broken in the other one. But it, it shows how um, her mother is, is trying to understand her. And I just really like the way that develops throughout the film. And I think that's a yeah, really positive family message coming through in that about the generational issues that, that go on in families. And um, you know I like to lower the tone as well. Like literally I put three points down about this film and the third one, it just says butt plugs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I was going to gloss over that bit. Um, you and I wasn't going to go there. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Graham. Yeah, I I really, really enjoyed this. I, I didn't know what it was, but, so I, didn't, I hadn't watched the trailer or anything before, so I went into it blind, and i was absolutely entranced by it i thought it was great i thought the the family dynamic was incredible i loved the actor who was her husband when he changed into the um kung fu expert and beat up all these security people with a handbag it was just insane Uh, and as it went along it explored how the mother felt about the daughter quite a bit. One time she sees her as a monster, the other time she sees her as like a solid rock-like companion in a a, a deeply meaningful relationship. If I had anything negative to say about it, I I found it just a little bit too long. It could have done with a bit more um, editing, but apart from that, what an amazing evening's entertainment this was. I really, really enjoyed
2: it. Can, can I just jump in a second, Graham? Um, you mentioned the um, the actor who played her husband. Do you know who he was as a child actor? He was shot round from uh Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom,
0: ah!
3: <gasps> oh, <laughs> and he's uh, data in the goonies, is he? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, of lovely.
0: course. Okay, I I thought he was uh, I well, right, I know, <laughs> completely wrong because I thought he was just an unknown. Asian actor
2: and and had really stepped up for this. I think he walked away from um from movies I believe I don't think he's done a lot as a as an adult. But uh Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. I think he yeah. I
3: think he stepped away for a long time.
2: Yeah.
0: But yeah, he was great. I loved it. And I loved all the metaphors. It was just laden full of things that you know do crazy things in your life because that will really change the your destiny it just it was just so well thought out and well put together and michelle yo was just brilliant as ever yeah you haven't seen it have you neil
4: no not
1: yet i will do that's on your list is that? yep see take lesson for what graham just said do some crazy things in your life
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Phil. I, I befriended you
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, only, only for therapy purposes <laughs> Only for therapy, yes
3: Before I start, does Jeff want to pass me the grumpy baton? Oh, <laughs> oh no! Oh, whoa. So, oh Ill. You know, I'll Catch! Tra- <laughs> I'll try not to be too down on it Because I know a lot of people love this film But I'll tell you what, it won't be going anywhere near my top 10 or top 20
1: I just... But what I is, bet you will love the same top film of the year as Darren, though, eh?
3: I won't. I promise what, you. I know no, no, no one. Have, no one will top. have the same top film as me this year. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best i can do so so my positive sort of thing is it's really original and we should be like championing championing yes. really original films okay and it kind of reminded me a bit to a degree of like a lord and miller film like mitchell's versus the machines or, you know where there's loads of originality lots of different ideas loads of jokes thrown at the wall etc etc but uh I mean, there were there, there were two there were two things for me that just really ruined it. So, one, the relationship that Emma just described is really profound and well done. I found was really like bashed me over the head with a hammer, um, know yeah, this moral hammer that was like, okay, I understand what you are doing, and this just hits you over the head again. It's like, yeah, I get it, I get it. No, I am going to do it again, and it's just, oh my god, I get it, I get, I get what you did. Yeah, oh, you are telling me again. Okay. I just, oh, just stop telling me about the moral conundrums of being a mother and all that sort of stuff. And um, I didn't think it was that funny. There's like, Ah, there were hundreds and hundreds of jokes, and I was just sat there like, "Eh, it's all right. Honestly, I really wanted to like it, and I've seen so many people say how amazing it is, but it was just okay. And sorry.
0: Do you have a horse tranquilizer before you (laughs) touch
1: hell? Maybe. Right. um, Emma's got her hand up. So do you want to respond to Phil, Emma?
3: Uh, Technical difficulties, but she's just said that she wants to throw her laptop at me, I think.
5: (laughs) (laughs) The technical difficulties meant I only heard half of what you said and I was still outraged.
3: (laughs) (laughs) feel free to read my review. It's all there. Oh
5: God. <laughs> I'm just so upset, Phil. So upset. Jeff,
3: Jeff, come and save me and tell me how you thought it was good as well.
1: I think it is a bit overlong, as, as Graham said. I think the thing for me with these sort of films is it's all about, you've got this bizarre abstract thing. I mean, as Emma was talking about the butt plugs and all of that earlier, with this emotional truth. So if they don't get the characters right and you get the balance wrong, It destabilises everything. The perfect example where it worked for me was being John Malkovich. Um, This, yeah, tries. It's quite good. It's not as bad as Phil is saying, so he can keep the grumpy stick.
3: (laughs) Uh, It was was all right.
1: (laughs) All right. Darren, as it's one of your favourite films, I'll give you the final word on this one.
2: Whenever people say, oh, it's all Hollywood blockbusters, or it's all big franchises these days and there's nothing... You know, be adventurous and check something out. Just try something like this. But it's in, in this sort of day when people are always sort of complaining about that there's no originality, this was a film that really tried to do something really different. Everything about life is in this film. Trouble with your with your life, trouble with your family, trying to balance all these different things and, and think about what could have been. You, you know, I, I just thought there was so much in there, you know, the good and the bad of life. And yeah, and I, I really would say, you know, give it a try, even if it's not the sort of thing that you normally would go for.
1: Films about life. That reminds me of thank God it's Friday. And... <laughs> right. Anyway, Darren, it's the speedy roundup time. What have you got for us?
2: Okay, so in, in the speedy round roundup I basically just like um describe a few things I've seen. Don't go into massive detail, but just stuff I would really recommend. I've seen quite a few uh, good TV shows lately. On um, Paramount+, Plus. uh, I took a subscription out because I really wanted to try the new Star Trek, which is called Strange New Worlds. And I was so glad I did because Strange New Worlds has been the Star Trek series that I have been waiting for for so long. If you you put aside aside, um, the little decks... Which is also a film, uh, it's also a TV Star Trek show that I really, really love. But Strange New Worlds, it's it's an updated version of Star Trek that still feels like it's Star Trek. It's not like a big ten episode arc. It's one story, one episode with colourful characters who are likable. None of this discovery where everything has to be really dark and really edgy. It just feels like Star Trek. And each one has episodes which are all about solving a problem. I just think it's excellent. The, the characters are, are great. It's you know, and and pe- people have basically been had down on this because saying it's oh it's too woke because it's, it's trying to tick all the boxes off. That that's rubbish. Star Trek was always about include being inclusive and having people from different nationalities and races. And this just take, takes the next logical step. We've got one episode to go. I've absolutely loved this TV series. It, it, Like I say, it's brought Star Trek back to me from so many disappointing TV shows lately. Uh, I absolutely love it.
1: Can I just double-check? You just said then people are complaining because they feel it's too woke. Is that right? I'm four episodes into it and I'm struggling. I can't get into the characters yet at all. But I'm going <laughs> to persevere. I'm going to do the whole ten. I'm going <laughs> to do the whole ten. Well, Graham what, loves what, it. What, yeah. So,
2: so what don't you like about the characters? Graham's woke. Why? Because they are from different. Um, I just backgrounds and. No, I just, I just don't see them working as a team. The, the The essence of Star Trek was always a brighter future, where people are working together from different like okay. races, yes, backgrounds, sexualities, exactly. whatever, yeah, and, and I, that's what Star Trek is. And if you don't. And if you think, oh, these lot wouldn't have worked, this is kind of like the brighter future that Star Trek always was.
1: In the original series, I believed in the team. And that's why I'm going to stick this out to 10 to see if I warm to them more. So I'm going to give it the full, the full run on it. So we'll come back and discuss it after seeing the whole 10. Okay. Sorry, Darren, what's, what's next?
2: Okay, so, um, so because I've been uh, watching Paramount+, Plus, uh, another TV show that I really enjoyed was The Offer. Which is a series about the making of the Godfather, and it starts from the uh, the uh, the novel of Mario Puzo, and um, it's a behind the scenes look at the making of the Godfather, conception, putting all the actors together, you know the, the problems that they had out, outside of it. It's I really enjoy it as a really really good drama, and if you and I, but I love stuff which is about the making of movies, particularly when it's about old Hollywood and stuff like that. And I, so I was absolutely fascinated, and I really enjoyed it. It's got a bit of a backlash because it's let's let's just say it is not one hundred percent accurate. There's a lot of artistic license being used about various things. A lot of the stuff that goes on about the the mafia's involvement with the movie um, has been sort of um, again exaggerated, or, or, or sort of like tried to put in more of a narrative. But the thing is, I really didn't care, because there's nothing there that was actually true. And also, it was an entertaining show. I really, really enjoyed uh, the the offer. It's it's had mixed reviews, but I I personally really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, it's
1: on my list to watch. Okay,
2: I haven't heard anything about this, and I'm putting it straight on now. That sounds great. Another show that was on um, Paramount Plus is the, uh, The Loudest Voice. Which is an, another series about the behind-the-scenes rise of the uh, Fox News, uh, in particular the uh, character Roger Ailes, who is played almost unrecognizably by Russell Crowe. This is a, a really good saga, which is about sort of, um, like I say, Fox News, but also the stuff that was going on behind the scenes, in particular Roger Ailes' treatment of uh, women. I really liked it. I thought it was absolutely fascinating. The only problem is if you've ever seen the, the the film Bombshell, a lot of the last few episodes covers pretty much the same ground. The TV show were uh, focused on certain things like um, how Fox News used nine eleven to to raise its own profile, how it had a campaign uh, against Barack Obama. Um, rather curiously, there's there's not really an episode about the uh, the Iraq War, which I found quite um, quite interesting. And also, there's, there's also um, not an episode about when um, George Bush Jr. managed to get into the White House at Fox News' um, role um, on that night, which if you, if you ever watch um, Fahrenheit 9-11 with uh, Michael Moore, you'll, you'll find that there was a lot going on there. Generally speaking, a, again, I, I really found it fascinating, but if you've seen Bombshell, you're probably sort of going over the, some of the same ground.
1: Oh, I've seen both, and they're both brilliant. Uh, loudest voice is incredible.
2: The final TV show that um I've watched is is actually weirdly on um, Disney Plus, and it's called Pistol, and it's about Steve Jones who was in the, uh, the Sex Pistol and it's the creation and the uh, very short careers of the Sex Pistols band. I really like um, rock music biopics, and this this was uh, I I really enjoyed this. Absolutely excellent. It goes through the entire run of the Sex Pistols, how we all were formed, the various fights, the, the clashes with Malcolm McLaren, the actual, how we disintegrated in the in the end. But the guy who plays um, Johnny Rotten or John Lydon is going down to a T, at least in his mannerisms and everything. The thing I found most fascinating was when I found out that the final ever gig that the Sex Pistols played in the UK was actually a a Christmas party for a bunch of uh, children who were the children of um, striking um, firemen. So they put on a special Christmas day uh, party for them. We brought we brought the kids cake and presents and stuff and, and performed for for these little kids. I found that absolutely fascinating. And uh, John Lydon actually said that that is probably his most satisfying gig that he ever played with the Sex Pistols was just doing this little uh, this little silly Christmas party for these kids.
4: Yeah, I love that. I love the series. I thought it was brilliant. Bring back memories. I mean, they burned bright for a very, very short amount of time. It's all from Steve Jones' version of uh, events, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, they were nuts. Where did your spiky
1: hair come from, Neil? Yes, that's it. Yes,
4: Perfect. that'll be it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it was an insane amount, same time. And Jonesy going on about you know how it all worked, how it didn't work, how they broke up, they got together, they did a gig, they broke up, they got together. Malcolm McLaren just evil throughout it. And it's as a brilliant series, absolutely brilliant.
0: Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was very truthful to the point. Mm. Um, Jones was the only one who could play. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> they
4: to teach them. To that teach was them outstanding. Them, yeah. and, they, and they actually brought in a, a bloke to play their bass because yeah. obviously Sid Vicious had no idea, was just playing the same note over and over and <laughs> over did. again because he didn't have any idea what to do.
2: Also funny as well is the fact that Johnny Rotten joining the band was a complete accident. They, uh, they, yes. they, they asked the aspirant yes, guy. Yes, absolutely. Because he, he kept coming to the Malcolm yeah. McLaren's um, shop. And uh, they meant to ask uh, Sid Vicious, and we're going mixed up, and we asked John, uh, John Lydon instead. I thought that was another <laughs> The final thing I just want to talk about is, and just plug something, and a and concept as a whole, really, is for the past um, several months now, my Friday nights have been dedicated to a, um, a series of films on a show called The Club. Which is on them um, talking pictures uh, on on Skype, which is an absolutely wonderful channel that has old films and TV shows anywhere in the 20th century. Really, it's an absolutely wonderful channel. The thing about the cellar club is introduced by Caroline Monroe, and it's a mixture of horror movies, um, cult movies, little known um, sort of uh, exploitation films, and that sort of thing. And what, what I've found is that, you know, a lot of the time when I'm, like, on streaming, I'm sort of, like, searching, looking for, for something to, to, to watch and stuff, I find it something, like, really liberating about having this period where basically at nine o'clock on a Friday, I just put on talking pictures, and whatever they put on, I'll watch. It reminds me of the days when um, Alex Cox uh, on BBC used to uh, present um, Movie Drone. Movie Drone. Movie drum, movie yeah, dream, yeah. which was a wonderful yeah. film because I was like a, a a young film fan at the time, and that expanded my horizon so much because I'd just see what whatever film we, uh, he he was having on, and putting yourself at the sort of at the at the liberty of the TV schedules, you discover films that you want to see. Just to sort of show you the, the, the type of film of a cellar club, it has a lot of the uh, Roger Corman movies, in particular the uh, Edgar Allan Poe type films, which I would never have watched. The, the films on there, some of them, I, I, uh, I found out I'd never really sort of given them a chance because some of them were like sort of really different and funny. Um, Vincent Price is in, in quite a, a, a few of them. One, for example, Fear to a Blood, I absolutely loved. And I've never really watched any of the films by those sort of masters because I just thought they were kind of like this hammer horror films were just kind of like a bit of a, a, a type. Fear to Blood was one of the funniest films I've seen in ages. It's a horror movie with sort of with humour and absolutely hysterical stuff, really bizarre. And other films that they've had on there, but I, again, that I would never watched it. There was a, a film called The Town That Dreaded Sunset, which was a, a film about a serial killer in America. Um, they had a, almost like a little mini season of films to nature gone amok. So you had films like Frogs. Which was a bizarre movie. It was a movie that I always used to see in the video store that I used to go to, but never watched. And it's a really bizarre movie, but so it's quite compelling. Empire of the Ants, which had a you know a John Collins when her career was kind of um, not exactly flourishing. Uh, Kingdom of Spiders, which had um, William Shatner in it, and and again was had one of the weirdest downbeat endings I've seen in the film in ages. There was one film that was absolutely amazing called the incident, which is all about a group of people running to a couple of thugs on the New york um subway system and had a a very young um charlie Sheen in it and it was one of the most intense films i've seen in, you know probably in my uh, my my life uh, again introduced to just because I watched it on Cellar Club and I think that the point i'm I'm trying to make is that everything nowadays is so sort of at your fingertips and you've got so much choice but you know, don't give up on, on, like, on television and television schedules. I'll, I'll see what's on this channel at this time and just give it a go. You, you'll open yourself up to some, like, new films that you probably would never have watched of. And that will sort of, like, lead you to dive pass. But I, I, I'm really loving my, my, my Friday nights. Talking Pictures as a whole is just a, a wonderful channel and it's worth just sort of, you know, checking out their sort of stuff. But any sort of, like, you know, satellite movies, sort of just, you know, find find the smaller channels you know, and like, and and just see what we've got because you, you'll you'll find some real surprises.
1: Yeah, no, fair comment. Talking pictures is good. Emma, you got any words you
5: want to add to the speedy roundup? Quite frankly, I have not even thought about any other things apart from binge watching Grey's Anatomy for the last month or so. Okay, I've got a month's retrial trial of uh, Paramount uh, Plus that I can take, so that's. Um I've made a list of things to watch when I get that.
1: Phil, have you got any final words on Speedy Roundup?
3: Yeah, I've not actually watched any of those. I've not got Paramount Plus. Um I have heard of the offer and I'm kind of interested in watching that. Discovery's latest season has kind of put me off Star Trek a bit, so but maybe I'll give that Star Trek a try. But I'd need to do a, a Paramount Plus free month and then and then do binge watching. But I'm quite happy watching all the amazing shows on Apple at the moment
1: yeah no no fair comment okay let's wrap things up then uh darren what is your dash film of the month i think i can guess though from the, the hints you <laughs> give
2: yeah i mean everything everywhere all at once no surprise from uh, what what i said about it i, I absolutely love it and, and again it's a film that i can't wait to get on, on uh, blu-ray and, and watch again hopefully with lots of different commentaries so i can basically find out even more about it Okay, so I can safely announce that's a wrap and Darren's dash at the Flicks is in the can. Thank you for listening and goodbye.